Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, please, to Mark chapter number 16. For the last two weeks, I've been preaching to you on the power of the gospel. We found out that the gospel message and the benefits that come to those who trust in the gospel message by faith come to us by God's amazing grace. If you believe that, say amen today. (laughs) None of us deserve what Jesus has done for us. None of us are worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ laying down his life and shedding his blood for the remission of our sins. But the Bible says that's exactly what he's done for the whole world. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so none of us are worthy of that. None of us deserve that. It all comes to us by way of God's amazing grace. And I think that's important that we all see it. Because I believe one of the greatest problems in the modern church today is that we've got a lot of people who claim to be children of God who walk around like they deserve salvation. Now, folks, I don't deserve it and you don't deserve it. If we get what we deserve, we get a devil's hell. I'm not worthy of it and you're not worthy of it. If we get what we're worthy of, we get a devil's hell. So we need to understand everything we have that comes to us because of the gospel itself comes to us by God's grace. His undeserved uh, favor. Listen, it's not about who I am but who he is. It's not about who I, what I can do or what I've done but what he has done for me in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's by God's grace that we receive the benefit of the gospel. I think that we've got to get a hold of the difference in worth and value. That's important. None of us are worthy of what Jesus has done, but God values you enough that he, listen to me now, put his son on the cross on your behalf. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you. I remember uh, years ago, I guess it's probably been five, six years ago now. Gage was about six, seven years old, and he loved Hot Wheels. I mean, that was his thing. He still got a whole uh, box of Hot Wheels that he used to play with a whole lot when he was smaller. And uh, me and him would sit at the kitchen table, and we'd uh, line up those Hot Wheels all around. He'd line them up in the way that he was going to have them race, and he'd line them up in the way that he wanted them to finish. I mean, it was always playing on the table with about 100 Hot Wheels, it seemed like. And so I came in there one day and sat down with him. Me and him was playing. And I looked over into, into the cars that he had lined up there, and I said, man, that right there is a nice ride. It was this car. It's a 55 Chevrolet. I said, that's my favorite of all the cars that you've got. That's the one I like. He said, Daddy, I really like that one too. And so we started playing and and played there for a little while and got finished. He put his cars up. Well, about two or three days later, it was my birthday. And I am uh, uh, in the bed on, on, on that uh, morning of my birthday, sleeping good, and bring the kids come running there and jump on me and wake me up, tell me happy birthday, and they'd cook breakfast for me. And I got up and ate the breakfast that they had cooked. And while I was sitting there eating, they start bringing me all their presents. And Brandy brought me her presents, and the, uh, Anna Kate and Ellie Grace and Gage brought me their presents, and all the gifts that my kids give me. Man, I, I treasure those. I really do. But, but there was one gift that was, that was special to me that day. Um, when Gage came up, he, he uh, had a bag in his hand, one of the little birthday bags, you know, with the balloons and everything on it. And I got that bag up, and he had made me a card and put it in there. It said, Happy Birthday, Dad, I love you. And then I looked down on the bottom of that bag, and it was this little card. And I thought, man, how special that is. That was one of his favorite cars. But because he knew I liked it, he's going to give it to me for my birthday. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. As far as worth goes, this thing ain't worth much. 
Matter of fact, you can go down right now to Dollar General, you can go to Walmart or wherever you want to go, and you can probably buy this for about two bucks. Now this one, you couldn't even get two dollars for because look how beat up it is. I mean, this thing's been raced a bunch. He's drove that around the kitchen table a few times, probably went off the kitchen table a few times. So it's not worth much as far as a monetary value. You can't count its worth a whole lot. But let me tell you this now. Listen, even though it's not worth much, I value it a great deal. You may can buy it for $2, but you won't buy it from me for $2. I don't know that I'd take a million dollars for it. Well, let's rethink that. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably take a million, but it would take a lot of money to buy it. I'm just saying that. Why? Because I value it. It may be beat up. It may look rough. It may be uh, not worth much to anybody, but I can tell you something. To me as a father, I value it a great deal. Let me share something with you. You're the car. And I'm the car. We're all the car. Listen, we are beat up and we're bruised and we're broken. And all of us have went through life. And listen, we fell off the kitchen table a few times. Can you say amen? All of us have. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We've all done things that are not pleasing unto him. None of us are perfect and we're not worth a whole lot. But I'll tell you, listen to me now. Your value to God is immense. It's amazing. He values you so much that he would put his son on a cross for you. That's amazing to me. Never lose that. I'm not worthy of it, but God values you. I've told you before, and I'm going to keep telling you. Listen to me now. You don't need, or excuse me, God don't need you. He was getting along just fine without you. He will get along just fine in eternity without anybody. God does not need us, but he wants us. Like we sang about it a minute ago. Listen, uh, he didn't want heaven without you and I in it. He values you that much. That's the picture of grace. God valued you and he valued me so much that he was willing to put his son on a cross so that we might gain heaven. So that we might be with him throughout all eternity. So that we might be a part of his family. It all comes to us by grace. The gospel message itself and the benefits of the gospel that come to those who believe comes by God's amazing grace. Now what have we said about the gospel message? First of all, we said the benefits to us who believe are that we are number one, grafted into God's faith tree by grace. Can you say amen to that? We, we are grafted into a faith tree that was planted in Abraham all the way back in the book of Genesis. Now what does that mean to me and you? Because we've been grafted in to God's faith tree, we are made partakers of the promises of God. The promises that are powerful because they're based upon His person, who He is. God is faithful and He keeps His promises and He's able to do all things. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Sidkenu. He is Jehovah Nisi. He's all of these things because His Word says it. And now because we have been grafted in by grace, made a part of this faith tree, we can claim the promises of God. We're grafted in by grace into God's faith tree, but we also saw last week that we're born again by grace into God's family. And that new birth that takes place for every believer when you trust in Jesus is the beginning of a process that will one day culminate in eternity. You are born again into God's family. You become a babe in Christ. <laughs> Newborn into the family of God. And that moment you begin a process of growing to become more and more and more and more like Jesus. 
And one day all of that is going to end when we get to heaven because the Bible says we will be just as He is. Like the old song says, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. You will too, as a believer. But that process began at the moment you got saved. And the Bible says it is now our destiny as the sons of God to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Romans 8, 29. I'm to be more like Christ today than I was yesterday. More like Christ tomorrow than I am today. I'm going to be honest with you. There are times in my life when I feel like I take a few steps forward and ten steps back. How about you? I know that maybe you feel like you've just blown it and, and man, you, you've missed the mark in some way in your Christian walk. Join the crowd. We all do. The good news is this grace that saves you keeps you. God, don't give up on His children. God is still at work in your life, doing for you what only He can do. This is the amazing truths of grace. Praise God for it. We're grafted in by grace. We grow in grace to become like Jesus. But this morning, I want to talk to you about my third point in this series of messages. We are to go in grace. Grafted in by grace speaks of who we are. How many of you know that when we are grafted in, when we are trusting Jesus by grace through faith, we are made a part of God's family. Christ is in us and we are in Christ. He becomes our adoptive heavenly father. We are now a child of God if you've placed your faith in Jesus. It speaks of who we are. To grow in grace speaks of who we are to become. We are to become like Jesus as we grow in our faith. But to go in grace speaks of what we are to do. As the body of Christ, what we are to do as men and women of God who've been born again into God's family. And Mark chapter 16, verse number 15 tells us that we are to go. It tells us what we are to do. Listen to it. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now we've, we're going to see here this morning there's five points right here in this one verse. It's power packed. The Bible tells us what we are to do. It says that we are to go. The Bible tells us where we are to go into the world. The Bible tells us how we are to go by God's power. The Bible tells us what we're to say when we get there. We're to preach the gospel. And the Bible tells us who we are to preach to the whole world. And so we're going to see that this morning right here in Mark 16, verse 15. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the truth of your word. And I'm asking you right now, Heavenly Father, that you would have your way and will in this place. That, Lord, you would allow us to experience your power and presence right here in this sanctuary today. You, would you do your work in the hearts and lives of people that only you can do? Lord, I can't do it. I can't draw others to you. You can only do that. So if there's one here that needs to be saved, we pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you begin the process of drawing them unto yourself just as you once drawed me unto yourself. God, I pray if there be a Christian here today that's not where they need to be with you, that, Father, you would awaken them to the fact, to the blessed truth that the same grace that has saved them is the same grace that keeps them. And, God, bring us back into right fellowship with yourself. Lord, whatever's needed here, God, we pray that you do it. We're praying that addictions be broken. Families be healed. We're praying that your power does the work that only you can do. Holy Spirit, help us to never get in your way. I don't want to be a hindrance. I want to be a help. So Lord, I pray that you move me 
behind the cross today and use me for your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray, play for you a quick video. Guys, y'all got that ready? Um, it's, it's about a man by the name of Bob Tebow. Some of you probably know Bob Tebow. He uh, is a father of Tim Tebow, and uh, the Lord has used him in a fantastic way. I saw this this week, and it really blessed my heart. I hope it does to you, does yours as well. Play that for us, guys, please. Well, it's millions of people in the 
show. He's not done it for, for cameras or for applause. I think my dad really cares most for the applause of one, which is God. How far that wave has reached, how strong that wave has been. A ripple with too many rings to count. All with one cause, a legacy of love and faith and service to God. I love that video because it asks a question that we all need to answer. How do you live a life of significance, a life that really matters? I was just this last Wednesday evening, I walked around out here in the cemetery. You know what I found on every headstone that I looked at? Every one of them. They had a beginning date, they had a dash, and they had an ending date. Every one of them. Guess what? One day my tombstone will have a beginning date, it'll have a dash. And it'll have an ending date. So will yours. That's just the way it goes. That dash, that little bitty space, is, it represents our life. So this morning, I want to ask you, what are you going to do with your dash? What are you going to do with the time you've been given? How are you truly going to live a life of significance that makes a difference not only in the world that we live in now, but will make a difference throughout eternity? Well, how do we do that? The only way I would submit to you this morning, the only way you can truly live a life of significance is by investing in the souls of men. It's by investing in people. Let me tell you why. Because listen to me, folks. The, the souls of men are the only thing that's eternal in this world. That's it. I want you to be successful in whatever you do. I want you to be the best you can be at whatever stage of life you're in, whatever job you do. Listen, be the best you can possibly be. But if you are the best in your field, if you make a million dollars, listen, if you're a president of the company, if you're a good husband, a good father, uh, if you're a good wife, a good mother, if, if you're all of these things, but we miss out on investing in the lives of souls, men and women, then we've missed out on a great deal of what God has for us. Oh, listen, if you really want to live a life of significance, we must, we have to go in grace. Go in grace. And we're going to talk about this, that this morning. What does that mean when I say go in grace? Well, like I said, first of all, the Bible tells us what we should do. It says that we should go right there in verse number 15, Mark chapter 16. Now, I want you to know something. There's two things that I want you to see. First of all, this is a commandment, not a suggestion. Let me define for you the two. A suggestion is something you do if you want to do it, if you have time to do it, if you feel like doing it. That's a suggestion. A commandment is something you must do. A, a commandment is something you have to do. Can you say amen? you, you got to do it. Because listen to me now. God has commanded us to go. It's not whether we feel like it. He didn't say if you want to. He didn't say if you got time to. He didn't say if it meets your, meets your schedule or, or fits your plan to go. God says go. He says it to me and he says it to you. He says it to every believer. Now, I want to tell you something. As a father, I've come to realize that my kids, they, they uh, sometimes blur uh, the, 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 uh, the difference between suggestions and commandments. How about you, mamas and daddies? 
Y'all probably understand what I'm talking about. I mean, a lot of times my kids will come home and, and they'll be uh, having a, a, had a long day at school and they'll walk into the house. First thing they want to do is turn the TV on or play a game or go outside or do their own thing. And I'll say, wait a minute, guys. Now, what I want you to do before we do anything else, let's get our homework done. That way we ain't setting up all hours of the night trying to get homework finished. Uh, but guess what? They, they, most of the time, they don't view that as a commandment, even though it is. They view that as a suggestion, Right? They'll come in, I'll say, now listen, you got to get that room clean. That room needs to be clean tonight. Get it picked up, get it up nice and neat. That's what you got to do. They don't view that as a commandment. They view that as a suggestion. If it fits their schedule, if it fits their plan, if they feel like, if they want to do it, then they'll do it. The only problem with that is the commandment I'm giving them as their father not only benefit them individually, but it benefits the whole family. And when one person don't do their part, not only does it hurt that one person, it hurts the whole. Amen? Listen, the commandment that's been given to you and to me in Mark 16, 15, it's not just for your benefit. And it is for your benefit because we get to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. We get to be a part of sharing this gospel across the street and around the world to as many people as we possibly can. And folks, I've come to see, I've come to realize that when you just do what God tells you to do, God blesses it. And I want you to understand and know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So when we're going out sharing the truth of who God is, this gospel message, what He has done, I'm telling you, that couple with the power of the Holy Spirit is still changing hearts and lives. I get to be a part of that, and you get to be a part of that. You can change a person's now and you change a person's later. You can change their life today but you have a part in changing their eternity. The only thing that's going to matter in a hundred years is what you've done for the cause of Christ. That's it. It ain't going to matter what kind of car you drove, what kind of house you lived in, how much money you made, how successful you were. None of that. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But I'm just saying, none of that's going to matter throughout eternity. What is going to matter is the impact you've made in a lost and dying world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we get to be a part of this. Let me read to you something Charles Spurgeon said concerning preaching the gospel about what a blessing it is. Listen how he puts it. To be a soul winner is the happiest thing in the world. And with every soul you bring to Jesus, you, bring, you get to see a little bit of heaven here on earth. I love that. What's he saying? Man, would you share the gospel and God does a work in a man or woman, boy or girl's life, and you begin to see their life change for the glory of God. You're bringing a little bit of heaven here on earth. It's amazing. I love that. I love to see God change hearts, change lives, change families, change outlooks. It's amazing. You can truly make a difference by going. We've been called to go. We've been commanded to go. God told us what to do, but he also says where to do it. He says into all the world. Everybody say all the world. What does it mean when he says all the world? Exactly that, everywhere. Like I said before, across the street and around the world. I, 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 let me ask you something, church. What's the best commentary on the word of God? I'll say it again, that's weak. What's the best commentary on the word of God? Let's say it again, that's bad weak. What's the best commentary on the word of God? So if you want to know what God's Word says, look to the Word of God. Now the best commentary that I know of on Mark 16, 15 comes from Acts chapter 1. Everybody turn over there with me. Acts chapter number 1. Watch this in verse number 4. Jesus, when this is written, 
has been now risen from the grave for about 40 days. Over 500 people have seen him as the risen Christ. And he's about ready to ascend back to his heavenly father. But right before he does, he says something to the disciples. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Let's go down now to verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. Watch this now. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So if Mark 16, 15 says that we're to go into all the world, listen, Acts 1, 8 breaks it down for us. It makes it plain exactly what he's talking about. He says, first of all, as believers, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we are to take this gospel message and be a witness in Jerusalem. Now let me ask you something. Where is your Jerusalem? Where were these early disciples? What was their Jerusalem? Jerusalem was their home base. That's where they were right then. Now let me say something to you folks. You need to get a hold of this. You need to, you must, you are commanded to start right where you are sharing the gospel. That's your Jerusalem. Listen to me, daddies. That's in your home around the dinner table. Listen to me, mamas. That's in your home with them babies, with your husband. Husbands, that's with your wife. That's sharing the truth of who God is and what he's done in your home. That's first and foremost. I've said before and I'll say it again. If I can reach the world for Jesus but I don't reach my home, I'll be a failure. I don't want to fail. I want to make sure they get a hold of the truth of who God is and what God's done for them. It starts in my Jerusalem. Not only in my home but at my workplace. Do you know there's a lot of people in your workplace that need Jesus? Praise God, there's a lot of people in my workplace that need Jesus. I know that. I've been around them every day. Amen? Yours too. Do you know that you can go into that Jerusalem, your Jerusalem at your workplace, and make a difference for the cause of Christ? Your Jerusalem can be your school. You know there's people in your school, young people that need Jesus? Amen? That is, that should be your Jerusalem, where you start. You show the love of Christ and you share the love of Christ. And you pray that God gives you divine appointments daily to do so. And I'll tell you this, if you'll start praying that God will give you those divine appointments, He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll blow your mind with how He does it. Let me give you a story very quickly. I've told some of you this, some of you I hadn't told, but years ago I was at my workplace, I worked for the highway department, and it was raining cats and dogs one day, stormy weather, we really couldn't do a whole lot working on the roadway, so what we was doing was just riding routes, making sure roads weren't flooding and ditches were open and all that, so we're riding down the road there, and right in the middle of, of all of that, there's four people in the cab of a truck, all right? There's two, two seats in the front, two seats in the back, and a crew cab. We're riding down the road, and all of a sudden, one of the guys says something about going to the uh, uh, funeral home the night before that one of their friends had died. And one of the other guys said, I'll tell you what, you won't catch me dead in the funeral home. He said, I'm not going until I absolutely have to. And, and so he said, I, I just don't like it. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to go there. I don't feel right when I go. And, and they began talking about life and death and all this. And in the, in the midst of that, I started praying. I said, God, please give me an opportunity here to share truth. And all of a sudden, they said, preacher, what do you think? And I said, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and so listen, for about the next hour and a half, they started asking questions, and as much as I was able, I was answering their questions. 
And I, and I kept saying, I said, guys, I wish I had my Bible with you, with me. If I had my Bible, I could share with you what I'm saying. I could tell you that it's just not me saying this, that God's Word says this. And I said that once, and, and we kept talking. They kept asking questions, and we had a great discussion. The power of the Holy Spirit, you could just feel it working in there. You ever been there? You ever been in that situation? You just knew God was doing something? We went on a little bit further, and they, they'd ask questions. I'd ask, man, I wish I had a Bible. If I had a Bible, I could share with you. We'd go a little further. They was asking questions. I was doing my best to answer. God was opening this door that I had prayed for. We get a little bit further down the road. I said again, I said, man, I wish I had a Bible. I could show you. I should have brought it today. The guy driving says, y'all ain't going to believe this. We just ran over a Bible. I said, pick it up. So he stops, backs up. Sure enough, in the road is a Bible in a driving rainstorm. So he stops, reaches down, picks up the Bible, and the Bible's soaking wet, rain outside. And I start flipping through there, and I'm telling you, it's just like those pages were welded together right where they need to be. It's amazing. There wasn't any inscription in the Bible. Nobody had signed it, nothing. All it said in the back was, O come, angel band. <laughs> I said, thank you, Jesus. And for the rest of that day, I was able to answer to them the questions I was saying was in God's Word. It was amazing. I've got the Bible at home in the china cabinet. It's special to me. I'll never forget that day. I'm telling you, when you pray for God to give you those divine appointments, He'll do it. He'll do it in ways that'll blow your mind. When you get serious with Him about going, He'll get serious with you about opening those doors. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. Like Dr. Spurgeon says, it's the happiest thing, the happiest time that a Christian can experience when you're leading others to Christ. We're called to go. The Bible commands us to do so. He tells us where to go into all the world. We start in Jerusalem. We go to Judea, Samaria. Why do we go to Macon, Georgia, and Monad, Arkansas, and Louisville, Kentucky? Why do we do all these things? I'll tell you why. Because God said go to Judea and Samaria. Amen? Why do we go to Cuba? Why do we go to Nicaragua? Why do we go to places like we go? I'll tell you why we go. Because God said go to the uttermost parts of the earth. God said do it, so we must. Why do we give to the cooperative program? Because listen, we give our money so that our money might go and fund the preaching of the gospel all over the world. Why do we take part in Operation Christmas Child and send gifts to children all over the world, giving them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going to tell you something. When they go and give those shoe boxes, they don't just give them a gift. They preach to them about who Jesus is. They teach them about what Jesus has done. And many, many, many people are coming to Christ because of that ministry. Why do we do this? Because God said we're to go into all the world. We're a local church that's got a global mindset through the work and missions through us going giving praying we can be a part of what God is doing all over the world that's significant amen he tells us where to go he also tells us how to go Acts chapter 1 notice what he says in verse 7 though he says wait for the promise of the father 
Now, what's the promise he speaks of? John 14 tells us, Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you another comforter, one just like myself. The Holy Spirit's going to come in my place. He's going to be with you. He's going to be in you. He's going to teach you everything you need to know. He's going to guide you into all truth. Amen. That was a promise made in John 14. That promise is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. But before we get to Acts chapter 2, Jesus standing right before he ascends back to the Father, telling them what they should do, where they should go. He says, the first thing you need to do is wait. Why? I mean, there's a lot to get done, isn't there? There's a church to start, a world to reach, people to be healed physically and spiritually. A lot of stuff is fixing to go on, and there's a big job to do. Why does he say wait? Because he knows what we got to get a hold of. Without the power of God, we cannot do God's work. So he says, wait for the promise of the Father. I am desperate for a move of God. I'm desperate for a move of God in my own individual life. I'm desperate for a move of God at Mount Zion Baptist Church. I'm desperate for a move of God that will absolutely shake this world for the cause of Christ. I'm praying for it. I'm trusting God for it. We need the power of God to do God's work. And it's available. Matter of fact, if you've been born again, the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside of you. The problem is many times we quench what he wants to do because we want to do our own thing, our own way. We've got our own plan. We don't relinquish our will to his will. We don't die to the flesh so that we might walk in the spirit. Amen. God's willing to work. God's wanting to work. God can work if we'll let him. If we'll let him. If we'll relinquish our will. Say, God, it's no longer about what I want, it's what you want. I realize my life is no longer my own. I've been bought with a price, so I'm going to do what you want by your power. You seen what Brother Bob said while ago? I loved it. He said, Jesus told me to go. And I went. Jesus promised he'd be with me, and he was. I'm telling you, he keeps his promises. The Bible tells us what to do, where to go, how to do it, by God's power. It says that, verse number 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. See, God knew you couldn't share this gospel in your own ability anyway. I hear people tell me all the time, I say, brother, I, I just can't do it. That's not me. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just afraid I can't speak to people. God knew that. Do you think that comes as a surprise to the Lord? God knew I couldn't do it either. God knows you can't do it. That's why he gave us himself and the person of the Holy Spirit that through the power of God, he might work on us, work in us, and work through us to accomplish his goodwill and purpose. You can tell what I'm telling me fires me up about a, 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 in being a pastor. When I start seeing people confident, relying on God spiritual boldness in sharing the gospel. When they are allowing God to work on them, work in them, work through them, and they're going like God says, and God starts sharing through them the gospel, the message that changes hearts and changes lives for all eternity, man, that is powerful. I see it on the mission field all the time. People right here in this church that have come finely tuned preaching machines sharing the message of the gospel. It's amazing. I love it. Get involved with it. You'll love it too. It'll change your life forever. 
It's something significant that really makes a difference. I challenge you. Go. Go into all the world. Go by God's power. What to do, where to go, how to do it, to whom to preach to. The Bible says in Mark 16, 15, we're to go into all the world. Amen? It tells us what to preach. It says that we're to preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel, first of all, starts with God. It's the truth of who He is. God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. Amen? That's who God is. He's perfect in every way. He's a loving, gracious, heavenly Father. The only problem is we are not. That's the second point of the gospel. The first point is who God is. The second point is who we are. The Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And it's because of our sin we've been separated from a God who loves us. And listen, if we remain in our sinful state without our sin problem being taken care of, the Bible says we're going to bust hell wide open. That we will pay the penalty for our sin. But now this is the good news. The good news is, not only do we need to see who God is and who we are, but you also got to see the redemption of Christ. And the good news is this. Jesus came and lived perfectly, fulfilling the righteous standard of God. Then he went to the cross and fulfilled the wrath of God against sin. See, Jesus didn't die for his sin. He was sinless. He died for my sin and for your sin. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God at the cross against the sin. Listen to me. The sin debt has been paid for. That is the message we've got to share with this world. And the Bible says all who will repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus can be born again into the family of God. Your sin problem can be taken care of. You can be washed in the blood of the Lamb when you place your faith in Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious, it is the flow that washed me white as snow. There's no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's our message for the world. Still changing hearts and changing lives. Changing eternity. That's what we preach. And we preach to all the world everywhere. See, a lot of people think you've got to go to China or Cuba or Africa or wherever to preach the gospel. No. Bloom where you planted. And if God opens a door and leads you to go somewhere else, go. We're going to provide opportunities for you to do that. Amen. We're going to keep doing that. But start where you are right now. Get on your mission field right now. That's in your home, your workplace, your school. At the ball game. You know, there are people on your son or daughter's sports team, football team, baseball team, basketball team, volleyball team, whatever. There's people all around you that need Jesus. We've got the answer. For the disease that's plaguing the world. We just got to give it. The Apostle Paul said, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. How sad. What if this morning I had the cure for cancer? 
what if some miracle happened and I received the cure for cancer and I knew that all you need to do is put this and this together and give it to the patient they'd be completely cured they'd be set free from the disease they're suffering from how much would I have to hate a cancer patient not to give it to them I know pretty much all of us have been touched by that disease in some way, either in your immediate family or friends. Someone you know has suffered from that. You've seen what it can do to their body. How much would I have to hate those people if I don't give them the cure? Do you know that the disease that mankind suffers from all of us is greater than cancer. It's sin sickness. Cancer will lead you to a grave physically. Sin sickness, left unchecked, will lead you to hell for an eternity. We've got the cure, we've got the answer. And we've got to go give it. Go give it to a lost and dying world by God's power. We go in grace. Charles Spurgeon also said, How precious must a soul be if both the Lord and Satan himself is going after it? Isn't that good? Souls are precious. That's what really makes a difference. If you want to do something significant with your dash, go. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, everywhere God lets you go, go. And see what God does in your life and the lives of others. Everybody stand together this morning. God has told us what to do, where to go, how to do it, what to say, who to say it to. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. American people, Cuban people, African people, Chinese people, White people, black people, red people, yellow people, if there's purple people, preach to them too, whoever it is. We're called to go. And we go in grace. Listen, grace is not only the favor of God that saves you, but grace is what enables you to do what you've been saved to do. It gives you the power through the person of the Holy Spirit to go out and make a difference. All of it's done by God's amazing grace. Amen? Now, I don't know what God spoke to your heart today. Listen, if you're here and you've not yet trusted in Jesus, you've never been born again, today's the day of salvation. What are you waiting on? You can be a part of the greatest adventure, a journey with Jesus like no other. It's amazing.
you can really have a significant life that really makes a difference now and throughout eternity. But it starts with you trusting in Christ as your personal Savior. If you already have been born again, let me ask you something. Are you praying that God uses you to share this great truth, this great gospel message? Are, are you looking for those divine appointments daily that God will give? If not, if you'll get serious this morning about doing the work, God will get serious about providing for you the avenue in which the work can be done. He'll do it, I'm telling you. Trust Him. Some of you know that you got family members that need to be saved. Maybe you want to come pray for them. Friends that need to be saved, come pray for them. Pray that God opens that door for you or someone to show and share the love of Jesus. Make a difference. Do something with your dash. Whatever you need today. These altars are open. I'd love to pray with you. All you got to do is ask. It's my privilege to pray for you as your pastor. Don't wait. You come if you need the Lord in any way. Brother, play for us.